Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department, I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, fit together hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that, but what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners, that faith expresses itself in works? That the works are works of faith? The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God, includes his action. It's that weave of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God not by a barren faith but by faith fruitful in works? The same with Rahab, the Jericho harlot. Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape, that seamless unity of believing and doing, what counted with God? The very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separate faith and works and you get the same thing, a corpse. The message. True faith is shown as the genuine article by how it acts and responds in real-life situations. Christians are saved for a purpose. Christian faith is much more than mere intellectual knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are to take our knowledge of Christ's redemptive events and put it into daily practice. There were folks in today's New Testament lesson who were justifying a lack of action with statements such as, I'm not wired that way, that's not my gift, we pay our pastor to do the ministry, this church is not meeting my needs, let the next generation deal with change. Anyone in the habit of complaining without doing anything to be part of the solution needs to get an active faith. Every believer in Jesus Christ is called to ministry. All Christians are gifted by God for service. And God expects us to use those gifts to build up the body of Christ. The church suffers when we do not all participate with the abilities God has provided. Faith apart from action is impossible. It's like saying I can bench press 400 pounds just because I read about it in a muscle magazine or, that I can produce corn just because I saw a farmer in a field. There are no atheistic demons. The glimpses of Satan we get in the Bible lead me to think he likely has the entire Bible memorized and knows it quite well. Knowledge, however, by itself, is useless. The Great Blondin, Walking a Tightrope Across Niagara Falls, 1859 In the 19th century, a famous tightrope walker from France, Charles Blondin, once strung a cable across Niagara Falls from the American side all the way to the Canadian side. Thousands of people watched him do his theatrics across the falls. He walked back and forth, people applauding wildly. Then to further wow the crowds, he put a blindfold on and went back and forth. He also rode a bicycle back and forth, and then pushed a wheelbarrow back and forth. As the story goes, while pushing the wheelbarrow back and forth, he called out to the crowd on one end, inquiring whether or not they thought he could successfully push the wheelbarrow across with a human being riding in the wheelbarrow. The crowd went berserk, sure you can. You're remarkable. We believe in your abilities. You are the greatest. On and on they went, to which Blondon responded, then someone volunteer. You come right up here, single file, form a line, and get in the wheelbarrow to prove your trust in my ability. A deafening silence overtook the crowd. There were no takers. Intellectual belief is one thing. It is quite another thing to place complete trust in Jesus Christ. Knowledge without an active commitment is about as helpful as a backseat driver. Faith is a big word in Scripture and life. 
it encompasses the totality of how we come to Jesus Christ and how we live for Him. So, when talking about faith, it is important to distinguish between saving faith and sanctifying faith. If we are fuzzy on our understanding and application of these two spiritual realities of salvation and sanctification, we will sleepwalk through life as zombies living in two different worlds of the living and the dead. Salvation is a term used a lot in the church. In Christianity, it means to be delivered from sin, death, and hell. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, a person is saved by knowing about the work of Christ on the cross and trusting this has taken care of the sin issue once for all. Through repentance and faith in Jesus, there is salvation. A person cannot earn it, accomplish it, or buy it. Salvation is a gift that comes by faith in the person and work of Jesus. It is a one-time event of trust. Sanctification, on the other hand, begins when we become believers in Jesus. The word means to become holy, or, to be set apart for God. Sanctification is not a singular event, it is a lifelong process. Whereas saving faith is a gift given to us without effort, sanctification requires much effort. We work, struggle, and expend lots of energy to live the Christian life. Greater than grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. Grace, you know, does not just have to do with forgiveness of sins alone. Greater than. Greater than Dallas Willard. When a student receives a college scholarship, it is a one-time event, granted to the student. She now possesses it and is able to attend school without trying to earn the money to pay for it. Yet, the scholarship was given for a reason, so that the student can now focus entirely on their studies and or sport. The work is just beginning. More blood, sweat, and tears will take place living into that scholarship than the student could ever imagine. It won't be easy. It will consume the student's waking hours for the next four years. When the Apostle James talks about faith, he is primarily referring to sanctifying faith, to believers who already professed saving faith in Jesus. They were granted a full-ride scholarship in the Kingdom of God. Now the work begins. And, just as a student will surely become discouraged at points throughout their education, wondering if they ought to drop out, so the Christian will face tremendous adversity and challenge in living the Christian life. There is a lot of spiritual training and studies to do so that faith will be strengthened for a lifetime of service. Abraham was saved from an empty way of life and given a gift of grace to move to a better country. Abraham did nothing to earn this favor. God just chose him, period. Abraham sojourned as a pilgrim throughout the land God gave him, which mirrored his spiritual sojourning and learning to be a follower of God. Abraham's faith was demonstrated by what he did. The way genuine faith develops and grows is in the fiery trial of adversity and hardship. Christianity is not a matter of continual upward triumph, it is a downright hard work of faith development as we learn to be followers of Christ. Spiritual maturity happens through sanctifying faith by means of difficult life circumstances. Rahab, a completely different person than Abraham, was a prostitute who lived in the red-light district of Jericho. Abraham is a recognized giant of faith. Rahab is an almost overlooked example of faith. All of us likely fall somewhere in between these two people, graced and called by God to live into our sanctifying faith through continual spiritual exercise. Rahab's faith and actions work together. She honestly believed the city of Jericho would experience God's judgment, and, so, she housed the visiting Israelite spies. Maybe we need to expand our understanding of faith to include people we might typically exclude. No one is outside the realm of faith. So, let's not be quick to judge those with dubious lives and backgrounds, as well as the poor and needy. If we do not know their stories, or why and how they ended up in this station in life, we may make unwarranted assumptions, and turn our backs on the needy. 
we must not sanitize Rahab as someone other than who she was, and because of her faith she ended up being an ancestor of Jesus himself. Needy people are not dumb, clueless, helpless, or ignorant, they are resourceful and resilient. They need Jesus, too. Yes, people make choices, often bad ones. Yet, nobody says to themselves, when I grow up I want to be a prostitute or maybe a porn star and live in a red light district with a pimp who abuses me and gets high on heroin. People too often back into behaviors due to a lack of positive relational connections and just trying to survive whatever crisis is going on in their lives. The church can be a social connection for them to become grounded in something other than their past experience. God grants faith scholarships to the rich and the poor, from every race, ethnicity, and background imaginable across the entire earth. From the standpoint of faith, Abraham and Rahab are on the same level. Neither of them did anything to receive God's grace. And God does not grit His teeth to show favor, the Lord genuinely loves us, and sincerely loves and likes all kinds of people. Saving faith means life is just beginning. True salvation produces good works. Both Abraham and Rahab, along with all God's people throughout the ages, exhibit sanctifying faith by persevering through hardship and allowing God to grow their faith. Therefore, submit to hardship. Find solace in God and Scripture. Pray and worship like you mean it. Lean into community. Keep your eyes of faith open to what the Lord is doing around you. Faith works. So, embrace it. Enjoy it. Live into it and with it always.